I want you to turn over to Romans 5, and uh, I was reading on, I, I kind of sidetracked from Romans a few weeks there, we've been doing some different things, but I felt like it was maybe time we, we went back there and kind of continued on for a while, and I'm sure we'll change up as we got Harvest Sunday coming and Christmas coming and those kind of things. Y'all say a prayer for me, I just don't feel well this morning, and uh, I hate to even say anything, but I just feel weak, so y'all just hang in there. Brother Fred, if I go down, you just come up, pick up the Bible, and keep preaching, all right? But, uh, <laughs> but I just hadn't felt well this week, but we're going to be all right, we're going to be all right. Just say a little prayer for me. Um, but I just was looking at this, this hope that I have. We sang that song last week, and the hope that we have as Christians, and you know, as we look back at Romans 1, we, we, it's not up on the board, but we, we started out, we looked at Romans, and we realized that, man, things aren't good. Things weren't good before Jesus did this remarkable thing on the cross. We read there in Romans 1, 21, if you've got your Bible open. Again, it's not up here, Russell. We're going to start there in, in chapter 5. But in Romans 1, 21, we, we've seen this. For all they, they, they knew God, in 1, 21 there, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for degrading their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Guys, that was all of us. That was mankind. When Adam, when Adam picked to go against God and go against his will and to sin against God in the garden, we all inherited that. The Bible says because of one man centered into all the world. And so, you know, you look at that and you realize that we were condemned. And when you look at the word condemned, that means that God declared war on us. Think about that just for a minute. Get that, get that in your mind just for a minute. There's a good happy ending coming, but I want us to realize from where we've been, that's kind of Romans. Romans is kind of a book of logic. If this and this and this happens, then this is going to happen, okay? So if we know that we're sinned, if we know we're condemned, if we know that God has declared war on us, and we know that we are very finite and very imperfect and very flawed, it doesn't look very good, does it? This looks hopeless, this looks hopeless, but we realize that God loved us. We also realize that there was none righteous. You flip over to chapter 3. We've talked about that in the weeks before. 3.23, a very familiar verse. Romans 3.23, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, and there is no one who seeks God. Man, this is getting... This is getting darker by the minute. Go on down to verse 23, 323. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. I see light at the end of the tunnel. I see there's hope. I see it turned. Because although really we declared war on God in the garden, and really we were condemned, and he should have declared war on us, Guess what? He didn't declare war on us. He sent the only son he had to come and pay our price on the cross so that we could have eternal life. 
Is this sounding good now? There's hope for us. There is hope. So if we are sinners, if we don't seek God, somebody's got to come seek us, or we're not going to have eternal life. So God sends his only son, Jesus, to come down into human life and to seek us and to do something wonderful on the cross of Calvary to pay our price and our sin. And because of that logic, this, this, and this, now this happens. Me and you can have eternal life, and we can know we can have eternal life. We don't have to guess. We don't have to hope so. We don't have to wonder if we're good enough because it doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus Christ. And guys, that is where our, this is the hope that I have, this hope that I have. We think about, can we be sure that it will last? How is it possible for God to save a sinner through the death of Christ on the cross? We, we get thinking these questions, and Paul knew these people at that time were asking these questions. Well, how can it last? What, what if I mess up? What, what if I sin? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I don't follow God in my life sometime? What if I go outside of what he wants for my life? It, can it last? Can this salvation last? Guys, my answer is 100% yes, because it is in the power of Jesus Christ and not in our power. And that's very important to know because we all have those doubts in life. We all have those times where, yeah, I know I was saved once, but, well, I haven't been around God like I should, or I haven't read his word like I should, or I haven't prayed like I should. But you know what? God just keeps reaching down and holding on to us. I love that old song. When, when I went to hold on to him, I realized he was already holding on to me. And that's what we need to remember. He is the one doing the holding. He is the one doing the saving. And we're going to look at that this morning. Let's look now at chapter 5. That brings us there. And I want to go right before chapter 5 with you and as you're still thumbing through your Bible then. Because we need to realize that, yes, they was lost. We know that we were lost, but we know there's hope in Christ Jesus. Now, how do we get saved? We get saved through his grace by faith. Look here. We see even all the way back to Abraham. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope. Guys, the world will tell you this being a Christian thing is, is ridiculous. They will tell you there is no God. They will tell you there's no sense believing in something that's apple pie in the sky and by and by and, and you know, you've never seen it, you've never touched it. You've never seen it with your own eyes. How can you believe in something like that? Here we see against all hope. Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as has been said to him. So shall your offspring breed without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. He was, he was, he was, he was, it was, an, it was an impossible hope. Lord, I'm going to be the father of many nations. Let's think about this for a minute. I'm a hundred years old. I got one foot in the grave and the other one on the banana peel. All right. My wife cannot have children. We know that we, we've known that for 90 years now, but you tell me you're going to do this. Do I keep on hoping or do I just walk away from it? What does it say after that? Verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, 
but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do whatever he had promised. Do you believe that today? That God has the power to do whatever he promises? If he tells you he'll save you, guess what? He will save you. If he tells you he'll save you forever and ever and ever, he will save you forever and ever and ever. Verse 22, this is why it was cited to him as righteousness, that he believed the words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believed in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Guys, when you doubt yourself, we will do that. I, I fall, I fail, I, I sin. But it, myself is not what's keeping me saved. It's Jesus Christ and what he did in his atoning shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Justification. He brought me into a, a right standing with God. The war is over. And that's our first blessing here. With, go with me now. Let me just read down to, to 11, and then we'll go back and pick it apart real quickly this morning. Chapter 5, it's up on the board now. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone say amen right there. Mm. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more... Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I know that's a whole lot of big words and a whole lot of justifications and reconciliations, and I'm going to try to pull it apart for you. But guys, there's just some power right there in those words. And what we want to look at this morning is seven blessings seven things the next screen please seven things every believer can count on if you're sitting here today and you've given your heart to jesus i want i want you to know that these seven things this morning you can count on them you can count on them today tomorrow 20 years from now all of eternity from now you can count on these things because they are from jesus christ if you're sitting here this morning you don't know jesus yet guys listen to me he can change your life he can give you a life like you've never dreamed. And you can also, by giving your, your life to him, by trusting him, taking the grace that he has shed and putting your faith in him, you can experience these very same things every day of your life. When life gets hard, when life gets difficult, when life is about to 
just wear us out, we can still go to these rock-solid things that we can stand on the promises of God. Great job this morning with the songs. We didn't even talk this week, and he picked them out perfect this morning. So let's go back. Number one, the war is over. Peace has been made with our past. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't we glad that he didn't declare war on us? He came and made peace. Unsaved people are at war with God because they cannot obey God's laws or fulfill them. That's why the world's so mad at God. They're just they're just mad at God. They're mad at him. They, 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 they use his name in vain. They, they scream at people that are Christians. They're, just, they're at war with God because they still stand condemned. And God didn't come to condemn them. We know that. The Bible says we were condemned already because of Adam. And so that's why this battle, that's why we see this war going on in our world today. Guys, the war is not, it's not ISIS and, some, and Christians. It's, it's the battle of good versus evil. It's the battle of not knowing God and knowing God. And they're going to butt heads all for all of eternity. But God's going to put a stop to that one of these days, and it, will, won't, it won't go for all of eternity. Because those that have put their heart, their faith, and trust in Jesus Christ will live for him forever. Now, the sad thing is, those that choose not to pick him, not to choose him, will suffer eternal damnation for the rest of their life, for the, all of their days, for all of eternity. And guys, there's no way to get around that. But God, God sent his only son to make peace. We can have peace with God. We can have peace in our heart when everything around us is crumbling to the floor. We can have that peace that God, that, that, that the Bible says that it passes all of our understanding. We can't understand what that peace is about, but God gives us that peace through his love. Isaiah shows us two verses, 48, 22 says, There's no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. 32, 17 says, The work of the righteous shall be peace. That's pretty easy. Romans is the book of logic. If you don't know God, you don't know peace. If you know God, K-N-O-W, you know peace. That's pretty simple. Now, does that mean everything in your life will be great? No. Does that mean you won't have any problems? No. We'll look at that in just a minute. But there's peace in your heart. The war is over. The war is over. Justification means that God declares us righteous. A declaration of peace. Therefore, when you are justified by faith, you are declared righteous, and law can't condemn you or declare war. Isn't that something you declared righteous? When we put our hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God declares us righteous. Not because of how great we are, not because we went to Sunday school 25 years in a row, not because we've done great things for our neighbors, and those are all good things, but the reason we stand just in front of God is because of his son and his son alone. And see, that's why we need to know we can't lose it. We can't lose it if we truly have it, if we truly are adopted into the family, we're not the one holding on to him. Jesus Christ makes us redeemed. He makes us justified. He makes us right before God. And I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. When God sees us, he sees his son if we know him as Savior. And that means the war's over. The war's over, guys. There shouldn't be a warring in your heart against God. You say, well, I get mad sometime. I, I feel like he didn't do what he should have done or... He didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to do. But guys, I think if we just stop him and if we truly have him in our life, 
we're going to realize that God did the very best thing that he could do. And sometimes we don't understand how he's working. We, we want it answered right now, this way, this day. And sometimes God says, wait. Sometimes God says, no. Sometimes God says, okay. But we must learn to trust him in all things. So the number one blessing is we have peace with God. Number two, we have access to God right now through whom we have gained access by faith in his grace and now which he, in which he stands. Guys, listen to me. If you were a Jew back in the old days, back in the days of Jesus and before, you could not go into the Holy of Holies. There was this outer room, and then right here would have been a big curtain, and you couldn't go in here. This is where the presence of God was. One time a year, the high priest would pull that curtain back. He would walk in, and he would, he would make... He would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the people's sins and cover their sins. But out here, me and you didn't have access to go into the presence of God. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that 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 veil, that curtain was rent and torn and ripped apart and opened wide open so that me and you could have access to God. Now, on the other hand of that, if you were a Gentile, which would have been us, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, there in the temple grounds, there was a wall that said this is where the Gentiles, they couldn't go any further. You had to stay, there was an inner wall, and then there was the, the holy and the holy of holies, but us Gentiles had to stay way out here. We couldn't even go in there. We had to stay way out here. And this was the wall that you couldn't cross. You couldn't have access to God. You had to have somebody pray for you. But when Jesus died on the cross, he tore down that wall, he opened that veil, and me and you have a direct access to God Right this minute, you can fall on your knees, you can sit there where you are, and you can talk to the one almighty holy God right this second. That's a blessing, guys. That's power. We have that. Everyone that's a Christian has that kind of access to God. It's amazing to think about that I can go in the presence of the almighty God, the one that created all the universe. I can go in his presence. I love this thought. The child of the king can enter into his father's presence no matter what he looks like. You know, back in the day, if you were the king, if people were going to come and see you, first of all, they had to get permission. Most time, they had to know somebody to get you in there. And you better believe if you're going to come in front of the king, you better look the very best. and You better bring the very best you've got. Isn't it amazing that we can come and have access to almighty God with all our bumps, scrapes, bruises, sins, and we can bring them before a mighty king and ask for forgiveness, and he washes us white as snow. Man, access to the king. Access to the king. Access here means entrance to the king through the favor of another. Who gives us access to God Almighty? What's his name? We've been talking about him all morning. Jesus Christ. Not because I'm a great guy. Not because I, I'm a pastor. It's none of that. I can have access to God because of the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Guys, that's a blessing in being a Christian. So, we've got the wars over. Our past is taken care of. He's forgiven our sins. We have the present right now. We know that we have access to him. And that brings us to number three. And it says this, we have an unfailing hope for our future. 
2b says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have a hope that it's not like a, you know, what's it say in Proverbs? Proverbs says this. It says that we have a hope that if we, if we hope in something and we don't get it right then, it makes our heart sick. You know? I've got some little girls. I've got one coming up, going to have birthday here. Annie's going to have birthday soon. She's been asking me for a birthday gift a week since last birthday. So I, I'm going to need a loan, all right? She probably won't get all those gifts. But, but here, here's the thing right now. Here's the way Daddy gets out of a lot of things this time of year. Well, let's put that on the list for Christmas. And here's what they do. Oh. They have that, their heart is sick. They, they kind of have a hope, but their heart is sick because they didn't get it right now. And guys, listen, if, if, we, had, if we had an empty hope in, in our future, in our eternity with God, if it was an empty hope, our heart would be sick. But you know, the thing that when I get thinking about heaven, and I get thinking about Jesus, and I get thinking about spending eternity there, and I get thinking about a great reunion someday with people that I love, and seeing Jesus Christ with my own eyes, guys, it's not an empty hope. It's not an unfailing hope. It is a real hope. And it's not a hope like, I hope I get a bicycle, and I don't know if I'm going to or not. It is a hope that I know that I'm going to see Jesus because of the faith that I have in him. And that he does not lie. He does not lie. He does not lie. We have that hope. A glorious hope. A glorious hope. We were sinners. We had nothing to boast about. Because we fell short of the glory of God. But now we are in him. And we can boast about all that he's done. We can boast about him. Do you like to brag about things? You know, we hate people that are really braggers, you know. You know, if I get a... 12-point buck, you know, Sean's going to get a 14-point buck, you know how he is, you know. We just, you know, we, people are always bragging and, bo- you know, if I got a new truck, Gary's got one that's prettier, you know, it's just, you know, we're boasting. But guys, listen to me, do we really boast in Jesus Christ? And listen, it's not something we've done. It's, it's saying, look, guys, there's a lot of stuff out there, and this world is crazy, and there's a lot of things that can, can be good, and things that can get your attention, and and all those things, but guys, when you stand up and boast about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, when you boast about the, the past that he's taken care of, that, that the war is over, when you can boast that I have access to God in my prayer life, guys, it's something to boast about, amen? It's something to talk about. It's something to share with people, that they can have that hope too, that they can boast in the one that we boast about. Not about us, but because of him, all glory be to God the Father and to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Guys, it's, it's real. It's real. I know some days it seems hard. I know some days you go, man, why? And this, and why that, and why am I struggling? But guys, at the core of all of it, we can just keep trusting Jesus, and he will prevail. He will prevail. And that excites my heart. Number four, we can glory in our sufferings. Now, wait a minute, Brother Todd. I was, I was with you to that one, Okay. I was amening you really good. Now you're telling me to be all excited and glory in our sufferings. And I'm not sure we have to be excited about it. But we can realize that the Lord is going to be with us. What's it say here in 3? Not only so, but also we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering or tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. 
Because I've seen him bring me through things before. I've seen him lead me through difficult things in my life. I've seen him bring me through in times where I didn't think I had a hope. And I've seen Jesus produce time and time and time again. He is faithful. He is, he is loving. He will not let me down. He will never leave me or forsake me. And I've seen that throughout my life time and time and time and time again. And you see the quote, you see the quotient here, the, the, the formula. Tribulation or suffering produces perseverance. We, we, we learn patience and we learn how to hang in there through God. And then that patience brings character. It brings a new character. Not a character like we used to have before God, but a new way of looking at our sufferings. A new way of looking at life. Even though things are crashing in, we, we know that on the other side... And we know leading us through it, we know holding our hand right there in that darkest moment is Jesus Christ. And we know that when we come through that trial or that tribulation or this life, we're going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And that's wonderful promises. This word tribulation, we get it from the Latin word called tribulum. And tribulum was a, a, a big thick plank of wood and it would have spikes in it. And they would put the, the weed out there, and they would rake that, that spiked club, so to speak. They would rake that over that, that wheat. And it would separate the wheat from the chaff. It would separate the real from the fake. That, that tribulum, that tribulation. And guys, I'm telling you, when you can stand in the face of tribulation and give all glory to God, you know that he has changed your very character. You know that he has created in you something that you could never do on your own because not one of us in here loves to go through tribulation. Not one of us in here loves to go through tough times. But we realize when that is being raked over us that the weak and the strong are being separated. The, the, the fake from the real is being separated. And guys, we've talked about it a lot lately as we look at the news and we... We look at the persecution that Christians are going through right now. Guys, there may be a time where that tribulum gets raked over us. And guys, if we cut tail and run, we're going to know that we were fake. We have to in those times of tribulation. We talked about it Wednesday night. I'm still in awe of these young people at this college in Oregon that said, yep, I believe in Christ. And no matter whether you've got a gun at my head or not, I still believe in Jesus. What faith. But you know what? Their hope wasn't in this world. Their hope was in Jesus Christ. They knew that he could, he could seal the deal. They knew that he could hold them. Even if it cost them their, this old body. The Bible says don't, don't worry about the ones that can hurt your body, but worry about the ones that can hurt your soul. And guys, the minute they closed their eyes in death, they woke up in Jesus' arms. They knew that promise. They knew that in this life only, if this is the only hope I have, I'm miserable. But then I look and I know there is a greater hope, the hope of all glory in Jesus Christ. Guys, that's the true Christian. That's what he's looking for. He's raking that across. He wants to see who's real and who's fake, who's in it for the long haul and who's just here to soak up the glory. Because there's only one that gets glory in this, and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. Mm. 
Number five, we now have God's love poured into us. Hmm. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, y'all been talking about Jesus coming back forever. The Bible talks about that in Peter. And some of you been talking, oh, grandma talked about that. Great grandma, you know, people are on the outside, chap, 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 you know. But listen to me, the hope we have in Jesus, we're not going to be ashamed of that someday. It's going to come real, amen? It's going to happen. He's, he's real, he's here, he's, he's with us through the Holy Spirit today, and we're going to be with him someday. Our hope does not put us to shame. It says in, in 7, very rarely will anyone die. For a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that one minute. While we were still at war with Jesus, with God, God sent his only begotten son to die for us. While we were still at war with him. At just the right time. At just the right place with just the right earthly mother, Jesus came on the scene. God's love poured out on us. Therefore, we were saved. When we were saved, God poured out his love by sending his son to die for us. Now that we are his children, surely he will love us even more. And that's kind of logic. If God loved us enough to send his only son before he even knew if we would accept him or not. Think about that. There is a lot of people in the world that never accepted Christ as Savior, sadly. He came and died for every last one of us. But there was a lot of people that said no. But Jesus came and died for them anyway. Now, if he would do that for someone that may not or may or may not accept him, how much more is he going to take care of and love us that has given us, given him our hearts. That's solid logic there. You talk about a love. I don't quite understand a love that would send his only son to die for someone that may never care. But then you go to the other level. Can you understand how great the love is for those that really cared for him? Woo! It's big. It's an amazing love. It's an all-encompassing love. It's being poured into us now. We're not to heaven yet. We've got the hope of heaven. We, we feel it's a sure thing. But while we wait, he's pouring his love into our hearts every day. He's showing us more and more and more love every day. Every day. What an amazing Savior that we serve. Number six, real quickly. We are saved from the wrath to come. There is a lot of people that are trying to laugh off Jesus and laugh off the second coming and laugh off the great white throne judgment someday. There's a lot of people trying to laugh that off today. There's a lot of people trying to make a joke of that. Oh, y'all just like a bunch of sheep being led by somebody and you don't even know what you believe in. That's being said. But I tell you this, if any one sentence in this Bible is true, it's all true. And this Bible says, not only did he love us, 
Not only did he die for us, not only did he rise again, not only can anyone come to Savior for, for salvation, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it also says in this book that every day, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen. And you can either do it willingly or you can do it that you have to because you're going to do it. You're going to realize that you know what? He really is God. And then the Bible says on all those that don't believe, God's going to pour his wrath out. And guys, I don't think we have one iota of an idea of what God's wrath is like. Because I believe with just the closing of his hand, he can wipe out millions. It says that when he comes back, he will take on all the, all the armies of the world and he will destroy all of them and never raise a single hand. They will just fall because they know that he is the truth and the way. He is God. and He is God's son. The power that God has. Do you realize that we will never, not even catch a glancing blow of his wrath because of Jesus Christ? Do you realize how big that is? Do you realize how scary it's going to be when God pours out his wrath on this world? And no one, you say, well, that's a pretty mean God there. I thought you said he, loved, he loves everyone. He's made a way for everyone to escape his wrath. It's through his son, Jesus Christ. Everyone can find their way to salvation. He's not willing that any should perish. But if you say no, you will face the wrath of God. And brothers and sisters, it's not going to be a good thing, to say the very least. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He kind of goes from the lesser to the greater. He kind of uses that Roman logic on us again. If he loved you before you were even his friend, how much more is he going to take care of you in this life? And how much more more is he going to take care of you when the wrath comes? Because he loves you and he cares for you. You know, when someone has a will, they put in that will who gets what when they pass. But until someone dies, it doesn't really mean a lot. And then when that person dies, there's an executor that comes and he, he divvies out the different things. Now, listen, there can be a dishonest executor. He could actually do some finagling and working around and he could make it where he kept everything. Nobody would ever know because he's the only one that sees the will. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he signed the will in his blood. And that will said, if you'll believe in me, you can have eternal life. And once someone's put in my hand, no one can ever take them out. 
But Jesus had to die for that will to go into effect. Here's the good part. Jesus Christ didn't have to depend on some executor to execute his will. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. He went back to heaven. And he is the one watching over the will that he signed to make sure that it's done exactly right. Is that awesome or what? That's awesome, isn't it? We don't have to worry if this is going to be carried out. We don't have to worry if we made a wrong decision. We don't have to worry, am I really going to get to heaven? We don't have to hope I'm going to get to heaven. I know that I have trusted in the man that signed the will, that paid the price, that rose again, that's watching over it, and he said, if I follow him, I will have everlasting life, and I know it's true. I know it's true. And no one can take it away. You know why? Because Jesus sits there over it. And nobody's going to take it away from God's son. Who, who else better to be watching over our inheritance but Jesus Christ? Mm. Saved from his wrath. Saved from his wrath. Think about this. Jesus Christ wrote us into his will with his blood. The cup is the New Testament. My blood was shed for you. Then Jesus died so we would be, it would be enforced. But he didn't stop there. He rose from the dead and returned to heaven so he could enforce the will himself and distribute the inheritance. Thus, we are saved by his life. How great is that? We are saved by his life, by him coming to life. That's what saved us. He could have died on that cross a hundred times, but if he stayed in the grave and never came out, guys, he would have been diff no different than any other man. But when he came out of that grave, Jesus said, the price has been paid, God's son. God said, the price has been paid. And we are now saved by his living, by his life. Man, what a great thing. Our last thing this morning, we are now been reconciled with Almighty God. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have re received reconciliation. Atonement means reconciliation brought back into fellowship with God. Back in chapter 1, we learned that man declared war on God and we deserved to be condemned eternally. But God did not declare war on us. Instead, he sent Jesus, his one and only son, the peacemaker, that we might be reconciled to God. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Mm. So what do we know in closing our last screen? We, what we know is purely by grace. We have a salvation that takes care of our past, present, and future. We have a Savior that paid full price. We don't have to keep doing that over and over again. And what's the last thing? We know he lives for us right now. And he's also coming back again. Does that give you a blessed assurance this morning? Is that exciting to know? When those doubts come, when those worries come, if I'm going to make it, Am I going to get to heaven? Am I going to be good enough? Quit trying to be good enough. Just trust in Jesus Christ. He's done it all. He's done it all. You don't have to keep coming up and getting saved. You don't have to keep asking him to forgive you. He's done it all. Just put your faith and trust in him, and you know you serve a God that does not lie. You know you are looking for an inheritance from the man that not only signed the will with his blood, that died for that will, but he's also executing that will, and this will not be messed up. Because God will not do it. And guys, that should give us a fresh hope 
on the days when things are very, very hard. Because we know, even through our suffering, that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Woo! I was just dancing around the office this week, studying all that. Man, guys, we serve a great God. This old world, it, it bogs us down, guys. Don't get me wrong. We get all, we get all burdened down. And it, it's, hard, it's easy to do. There's a lot going on. But guys, just remember, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And he will never, ever fail you. I have a hope. It's not just emotion. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you for just exciting our hearts. Lord, for working through all this mess and bringing something beautiful through it. Lord, we, we messed up and we messed up good. But Lord, you loved us so much, you wasn't going to let us go. And Lord, you came looking for us. You came to rescue us. And Lord, we can never thank you enough for that. Lord, you are amazing. And Lord, I just stopped to thank you for my salvation today. Lord, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, you're never going to take that away. Lord, help me to live more for you every day knowing these things. Help me to develop that Christian character stronger every day that no matter what comes my way, Lord, I just give you glory. And I know that you're watching over me. I pray for my friends here today that know you as Savior, Lord, that may be going through some very difficult times. I pray that this will just encourage them just a little today. And Lord, for those sitting here this morning that don't know you as Savior, I pray today they just say, man, I want that. <laughs> I wanted that kind of peace. I want that kind of hope. I want that kind of future. And I do believe a few verses in the Bible. And so if those verses are true, then God is coming back. And God is going to take care of the ones that love him. And he is going to execute his wrath on those that deny him. And I don't want any part of that. Lord, I just pray for our lost friends today. They would find you. Lord, thank you for watching over us. Thank you for your strength this morning to get us through. In your name we pray.